There are millions of people today who will be mishired. There'll be millions of hiring managers who will regret the people that they hired today because of dishonesty, unrevealing interviews, and lack of verification. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Superhumans at Work. We have Brad Smart coming on the show today who's talking about effective interviewing and hiring using the top grading method. A lot of insights that if you are in HR, this is going to be extremely valuable and his key way of changing the way interviews happen to give that success rate going from 20% to 80% is phenomenal. And regardless of which position you are in, if you are interviewing people, you will see that you can apply this and get a much better success rate of finding the right person, bringing them on your team and keeping them. Brad, welcome to the call. Well, thank you, Jason. Nice to be with you. Now, I wanted to kick this off right with the fact that you've worked with incredible organizations that you would assume have figured things out. I'm thinking companies like GE when it comes to hiring and retaining top players. But when you jumped in there, I think I recall the fact that they did not have that successful track record to hiring these people. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. And to be clear, we're talking about GE under Jack Welch. And he became chairman CEO in 1981, left in 2001. So GE was like all Fortune 500 companies and companies everywhere. And I met with seven years ago, just the chief human resources officers of just the largest 100 companies in the world. Can you imagine who was there? They said only 20% of the people they hired turned out to be high performers or A players. There were 14 top graders there, (laughs) including GE and Merck, Barclays and others. And the organizer of this uh, meeting asked them, what are your results? You went to the whiteboard. They had 80% success, 80% A players hired. So most companies have a horrible record of hiring A players. And it's a huge frustration. The 2019 conference board report says that the biggest challenge in their surveys of CEOs and C-suite executives is bad hires. It's talent. It's awful, 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 right? The GE case study, anyone interested, go to topgradingcasestudies.com and can read as many case studies as you want. But GE, when they started top grading, which was about five, six years into Welch's tenure as CEO, he sent out 100 human resources people to find the best hiring approach, firing the best hiring approach. So we got going. And when he rolled something out, he rolled it out. But when they started, the market capitalization GE was $39 billion, And it went up to, drum roll, brrr, over $500 billion when the percent A players hired improved from 25%, which is pretty good to begin with, to 90% a couple of years. So it was like a perfect correlation of hockey sticks. And the talent is there, you know, the value of the company, the success of the company goes up. So that's probably the most famous of the case studies. So what does an organization look like? I've worked for different companies and, you know, we call them A players. What happens in an organization when you assemble all these people that you would say are top talent? Like how does the operations change when you have that high level of people at that level, as opposed to when you have a lot of B or C players in the organization? 
Well, the change process itself, as you can imagine, is a threat to non-A players. So it has to take the strength of the leader, uh, CEO for a whole company to drive the top grading methods, which produce the results. There is an article in Harvard Business Review a few months ago, and they were in conjunction with SHRM, you know, Society of Human Resources Management. And it was weird in that the author said in reviewing literature, leadership, and so forth, the best way to hire is to hire mediocre people. What? What? Hire mediocre people? And this is in conjunction with Harvard. Well, the author had not read the study thoroughly, and she had a strong bias. And evidence suggests that A players, high performers, can be disruptive. Right. But with top greening, you do what the authors actually said was, of course, try higher high performers. In their research, 80% of the great things that happen in companies happen because of the high performers, not just the good performers and certainly not mediocre, but high performers can work with people. I checked the credentials of the author. <laughs> she is a poet, simply had a strong bias. So on the one hand, acknowledging that high performers produce most of the profits of an organization, hire mediocre people, bad, bad, bad advice. So top creators forever have hired high performers who, yes, can work well with people. And that's a distinctive thing because I think an A player obviously needs to have that strong teamwork capabilities because else they wouldn't be making it to the A player range. Also, I've noticed like when you're in a company, and I would assume that as a company grows and if there are a lot of B players, C players, it seems like there's a lot of management and process glut that needs to be put in place to kind of support the B and C players. What have you seen in the organizations when they start just focusing on the A players and getting rid of those B, C player policies that still hold it back? Yeah, well, top grading actually starts with something that sounds pretty bureaucratic, and that's job scorecard. Typically, there's a job description and job boards or through recruiters, they know what the job description is, but it's vague, it's too vague. And after you hire someone, of course, if you have any kind of performance management system, you're going to articulate what the measurable accountabilities are. They have to score a certain number of touchdowns or something like that. All we suggest is let's move that up to before hiring someone to get the hiring manager, but others on that team in agreement. What are the accountabilities and measurable accountabilities, including some of the soft things like working well with people that are necessary for someone to be hired? So you get the focus right. And when you get the focus right, then that minimizes the damage later, right? But using that same notion, in order to remove B and C players, start out with C players, of course. They should have a job scorecard that should be part of performance management, and they're given an opportunity to move into the A category, and some do, with training and coaching and so forth. Here's what you need to do in the next six months or 12 months and whatever. For people who don't do it and know they're not going to do it, they don't have to be fired. They know it's easier to get a job when you have a job. So they'll quit. Or what's happened with a number of organizations, they say, you know, I have sales and marketing responsibilities I'm not going to meet all the accountabilities on the marketing side. I'm really a sales person. So I'd like to just focus on sales. I'll be the head of sales, but not marketing. So it can be rather smooth and it's very, very fair. 
So it sounds like when you introduce that scorecard, really what you're doing is giving that kind of blueprint for A players to sort themselves, but you're also giving that opportunity for anybody else in the organization that might not be falling in that A level label to actually get a chance of what does it take to get there and work towards getting there. And so you actually optimize the resources. When you said 20% and you said this actually was considered good in a corporate setting, what are some of the mistakes that people make in a hiring process that makes it so dreadful? I can say it in very simple terms. So anyone listening to this podcast, after they do it, in the next minute, they could start top grading. It's incredibly simple conceptually. There are millions of people today who will be mishired. There'll be millions of hiring managers who will regret the people that they hired today because of dishonesty, unrevealing interviews, and lack of verification. Turn that around. What top grading has done is solve those problems. So the hiring process is infused with honesty, meaning candidates don't hype their strengths and conceal their weaker points and failures and so forth. Step two is top grading interview which is a very thorough interview, covers everything, but it actually reveals everything too when candidates are being honest. And the third step is verification. And for all these years, following the top grading principles, candidates have arranged for reference calls with the people they've reported to, typically in the past decade. So that is verification really on steroids. All that's missing today throughout the world. It doesn't have to be the case. That's one very easy, simple step for listeners. It's what we call the torque technique, threat of reference check. Right out of the starting gate, let candidates know that a final step in hiring is for them, not you, but for them to arrange reference calls with the people they reported to and anyone else you might want to talk with, like maybe for peers or direct reports or customers and so forth. That is incredibly powerful. And that implies, of course, that you're going to do step three. You're actually going to do those reference calls and get the verification. So there you have it. Get off this uh, podcast and maybe you have 10 people you're going to do telephone interviews with or something like that. You have the resume. Let them know or email them. Say, you should know that a final step in hiring is for candidates to arrange reference calls. Is that okay? Of 12 people, Probably three or four will drop out and say, I'd never be able to get my bosses to talk to Jason. And I wouldn't want them to talk to Jason for fear that Jason would disclose some of my weaker points. Right? So this is beautiful. It's work. It's fair. It's like so many other aspects are alive these days. You get the Amazon stars and VELP ratings, but it's not the case in hiring because most companies prohibit their managers from taking reference calls. And he, he, he candidates know this. Companies are afraid that if you say something negative about good old Charlie and he doesn't get the job, he'll file a suit. And well, in the United States of America, we have the most litigious society and that could happen. So that's good advice. Don't let your managers take reference calls. But all these years, millions, millions of reference calls have been done because the candidates arrange them And uh, just think of you, Jason, if you had an A player reporting to you who left maybe for personal reasons, had to go to New York or something like that and stayed in touch. And that person called you say, Jason, I really need you to talk with the hiring manager at Acme Corporation. Would you do it? Of course. 
Have there been any negatives associated with this? Not one. For every one of my hiring books, the company SafeEarth Shaw, one of the largest employment law firms in the world, has vetted top grading. EEOC loves it. They can find no lawsuits connected to this. So just as you personally wouldn't be worried that some A player would sue you if he or she doesn't get the job, that's the way the world works these days. And we can all benefit from that. Wow, Brad, it's such a powerful tool. And you know, what's great is I was actually consulting a company and I referred them to your products and your services because they were in the process of hiring somebody. And I told them like, hey, you should really listen to this top grading methodology and you should apply this reference check, getting the candidate to do that. It's such a simple, quick thing that just filters so much out. And that's exactly what happened. The person that was supposed to be interviewed, there were two that they were debating upon. As soon as they asked this question, they did exactly as you said, they dropped out. And the other one provided a list. And I can even think of my own track record. Like I think of every past employer I've had and I'm like, yeah, I'd feel confident being able to contact them and tell them to do a reference. And this is so interesting because I think a lot of people skip this step again for the things that you've mentioned. It's like, oh, I don't want to get sued and everything. But I'm going to tell you one thing, Brad, for me, the biggest thing when it comes to interviews is I have rose colored goggles. Like I remember in our conversations and looking in your programs, you're talking about the fact that people can be dishonest. People can lie, people can exaggerate. And I know when I've been in an interview process, being a salesperson, I only see the best in people. And then I'm just like, they're great. They're great. They're great. And what you're doing is putting it together a process that really makes things be tangible and see it for what it is. And this one tool for everybody listening, this is extremely powerful and it filters out so much of what's going on out there. And so when people apply this at the same time, like you got this one verification tool. So it's ask them at the start, you have actually do it. And then is this also where the scorecard comes in? And can you tell us more about how you put that together? Okay, let me just loop back around. I tend to suffer from the same malady that you have, the rose-colored glasses. And so I do what all top grading companies do now. Halfway through the rollout of top grading GE, I was, as a consultant, sitting in the workshops. Interviewing is tough. It's difficult. The GE managers are pretty darn sharp. They're struggling. Maybe they do 15 or 20 a year, but they have plenty of other things to do. So I started putting a second interviewer in. Wow. This is about a 30-second discussion with Jack Welch. He said, Brad, you wanted to meet what's on your mind. I said, I think if we add a second interviewer, we'll call it a tandem top grading interview, your results are going to be better than 50%. I don't know how much better, but I think they're going to be significantly better. That's when GE went up to 80 and 85% and some years hit 90%. Wow. For me, and probably for you, and something goes with people who are sales-oriented, those rose-colored glasses, you know, to have a tandem partner who is more objective, solid, they'll see it when you might be kind of unconsciously airing on the side of the interviewee. A tandem partner will ask some of the tough questions you and I might not have asked ordinarily, but that's one of the reasons the tandem chronological interview covering every job works so well. It helps to help us overcome our own biases or tendencies that might lead to mishires. Back to your other question, start with a job scorecard. This is the measurable accountabilities and the hiring manager and others who will be working with this person should get agreement on it. Then as part of that process, identify competencies that are important. 
And I'll say something now that might scare your listeners. For a management job, we have 50 five zero competencies. We just had a public workshop yesterday and the day before and started the workshop saying, how many people here think that if you're going to be interviewing candidates for a managerial job that you can accurately track and then rate the candidate on 50 competencies, five zero, no hands go up. And then people always say, I have trouble keeping track of five competencies, let alone 50. But day two of the workshop, they do a tandem top grading interview. They start with a scorecard. They do a tandem interview. They analyze their notes. They rate the people they interviewed on 50 competencies. And they say, I get it. I can do this. By following that chronological interview, we ask 10 basic questions about every job. Patterns emerge. You start with education and then job one and job two and see the patterns of strengths and accomplishments and successes. And because the torque technique was used, you have someone who's honest talking with you. So they'll admit failures and mistakes. And you'll see how over time they overcome these. They get better and better and better. So by the end of it, man, we got it knocked. And what we saw yesterday is the fist bumps. I got, we got this knock. We don't think we missed on any of the 50 competencies. Then they actually provide feedback to the interviewees who say, yeah, do it, nail it. And actually by hearing what you judge as the patterns, I think I have a couple of areas for improvement I hadn't thought of before. It all works. It comes together. So job scorecard is important so you get the right focus. Torque technique is really important. So candidates know they're going to have to arrange reference calls and the low performers drop out. The step of the chronological interview is so much more fun and it's more revealing because they're honest. And you get through that, you might do the fist bumps, but you're not even done yet. You conduct those reference calls that the candidate arranges. There's no phone tag. And then you put the cork in the bottle. And then there's little tweaks and advice on, you know, from maybe former managers on how to best work with this individual. It's all good. So instead of dishonesty, unrevealing interviews and no verification, you have honesty, thoroughness, revealing interviews and the best verification imaginable talking with their bosses. It's incredible. And you know what I realize is we've not necessarily been trained on how to do interviews. Like this is not a skill that most people have been trained in. And what you're bringing forward is that methodology that has proven to be effective. And so when you start applying this, it's crazy the results and everyone's kind of have their own methodologies, but nobody has centralized it in the way that you have in these effective methods. And, you know, we've started using this at Valley, and it's just been phenomenal. The results we've been getting, and I know we're talking with your team to build a case study around that because our HR team has just been striking gold. And as we're scaling, we need to bring these people on board. And a lot of these things that you bring within the top grading process is amazing. And so I wanted to bring this to the people listening, especially for someone who's in a position, they might not have done an interview of somebody before, but they might be someone who's getting interviewed and they want to be able to bring their best foot forward. What is the best way that people can understand that when you're dealing with someone that's interviewing you in such a professional structured fashion, what's the best way for me to show up to be an A player? This comes back to the first year of my professional <laughs> experience how I hit on the torque technique, I'd interviewed someone who, whoa, seemed to have such an excellent result in terms of hiring. And he said, just, I always tell candidates to begin with that a final step in hiring is for them to arrange reference calls. During this interview, the person said five or six times, I'd be happy to arrange reference calls, the people I've reported to. Okay, that's important. 
on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, there was an article that featured me with a little dot profile, you know, those pictures that are just dots. And it was about someone who had been fired for being dishonest and someone I had recommended to be hired. And he's given speeches on this and he's retired now. But it was a person who had been at Merrill Lynch as a stockbroker, did some naughty things, was thrown out, would never be able to legally sell a stock or bond again. I had interviewed him as a candidate for a senior vice president of one of the five largest financial services companies in the United States. But I recommended him. And that was the point of the article in the Wall Street Journal. Here's a guy who says, you know, certain things can't change, like integrity or honesty or the BS or whatever. So why would I recommend that he be hired? He was hired. He was promoted. He became chairman and CEO of this company, even though he couldn't sell a stock or bond. But here's the point, getting back to your question. He was rather insistent that my client talk with every person that he'd reported to since he'd been fired. He said, and this is why I believed him. He said, I was shattered. I lost the respect of my family, number one, respect to my friends. And although in your books, you say you can't do an integrity transplant or it's extremely difficult. It was extremely difficult, but I did it. If your client wants someone who functions in that gray area of ethics, it's not for me. It's black or white. And every one of the people I've reported to in the past 10 years would say that my integrity is rock solid. Okay. And they hired him. So advice, if you're an A player and you want to get the job, talk with the people you reported to beforehand and just tell them, I'm not going to abuse this, but you know, a couple or three times, would you be nice enough to take this call? That suggests that you're an A player and that you want to be verified to be an A player. Point number two, if it's competency interviews that are very limited and maybe the topic is creativity or leadership, whatever it is, and they ask you, could you provide examples of one time where you were very creative or you were very well organized or you're an excellent team player, go ahead and give those. But I would suggest a couple of times say, well, actually early in my career, frankly, I was not very organized. I had taken on too much stuff in order to impress my boss, but the quality was not there. And I learned over time to be able to push back and say, okay, if I take on that one more project, I probably should take something off my list because I'm already working very, very, very hard. But if I keep all of this, then the quality or delivery date will probably suffer for that. If you're willing to admit shortcomings, areas for improvement, that suggests you're more honest and you're more self-aware. And those are characteristics that you want in your A player. Amazing. So I love this because we've just discussed such practical tools that people can implement when they're interviewing and for people that are being interviewed can be more proactive. And one thing I want to touch again on is you mentioned earlier about how the scorecard comes into play. And what I realize is when people go through such a formal, beautiful interview process, I feel like even if they don't get selected, they do receive so much more feedback, which allows them to grow as well. And I think overall, every stakeholder that gets impacted by implementing these top grading ideas is positively impacted to benefit the employer, the employees, and the ones that don't get hired, which just makes this such a beautiful process. As we're heading towards closing here, I'd be curious to know, what do you see is a trend happening in workplace hiring, interviewing, that you think is very positive for the future? So since Adam and Eve, there has not been any hiring approach that is even good, let alone very good or excellent. So what are the trends? The trends, frankly, are not toward 
using the secret sauce of top grading with honesty and thorough revealing interviews and candidate reference calls. So I'm semi-retired now and I'm spending my life doing things like this in webinars. I want to spread the word because several years ago when I met with the chief human resources officers, they said, you're not visible, you're not visible. And that's a legitimate criticism. So we're becoming more visible. I want to spread the word, even if people never buy anything from this, but they use those three important components of top grading, they'll do better. Their lives will be better. I'm looping around these days to people I interviewed previously who now have become very successful, like the CEOs. And what I'd like to hear was their life is better. You know, thank you, Brad. My career was better, but also my life was better. I had more personal time and so forth. Every manager could probably benefit from top grading because they'd have A teams rather than typical mixture of three A's, six B's, and three C's. And their A players spend most of their time trying to prevent the lesser performers from making mistakes and spending all that time correcting the mistakes later. So I think it's a good thing, but I wish I could say there's a trend line there. But the reason I came out of retirement, frankly, is I don't see that trend line. (laughs) But your listeners can embrace it. I hope they benefit from it. Well, I think everybody listening is taking some amazing ideas on how to step forward and be proactive and pushing this forward trend. I mean, I've seen how there's this transparency that has come about companies, places like Glassdoor that rate these companies based as a good place to work. I'd expect that as we hold ourselves higher standards of interviews, and I'm seeing even platforms like LinkedIn are starting to bring more types of endorsement for the individuals. I think that there's going to be an opt-in platform where people that are A players can go, hey, here's my history, here's my connections, here's my endorsements. And so that visibility being more accessible to all, I think will just make those A players stand out even more. And so for everybody listening, take these methodologies, bring this into your interview process. And if you're being interviewed, be proactive in fixing those links or communicating with all those past employers. And after listening to this interview, you'll probably be the one to go to an interview and tell them, hey, you know, you should start implementing this in your interview process to be even more effective. And that will probably make you stand out from the batch as well. You've given me one little quick epiphany. I haven't thought of it this way, but because of Glassdoor and others like them, in order to attract people, they're making it pleasant. We have spas. You get your nails done and your hair done, and we sponsor parties all day, every day. I'm making an extreme out of it, but they're spending more money to make it pleasant in part because they haven't hired enough A players. Most A players want to work for companies that are highly successful and they're going to have opportunity and so forth. They want to be around other A players, and that would be a huge plus, but What companies are saying, we hire mostly A players. If you want to associate with A players, you're an A player. Okay, this is the company for you. I have yet to see that. All I hear about is their weekend vacations and so forth. And again, I'm making a a joke out of it, but it's not so funny. Maybe a better way is to hire a high percentage of A players who will make the company successful and help you grow and develop and achieve your career goals, aside from the pedicures and manicures. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And it's right. If you're surrounded with those people that are all aligned with the same vision, same purpose that are working within the company, people move in the same direction, less resistance, and now you get to make a big difference. So Brad, Thank you so much for your time. This was such a pleasure to speak with you, get a chance to share these insights with the people listening. So no matter which position you are in the company, being the person designing the interview or being interviewed, the systems and these ideas that were shared here are so powerful. They will allow you to stand out from the masses as far as making sure you get those eight players in place and be one yourself. Thank you so much, Brad. Thank you for helping me spread the word. 
Thanks for tuning everybody to the interview with Brad Smart. We really talked about this top grading system and especially this tool where you actually get your candidates to go and set up the reference checks is priceless and it'll consistently get you some better performers to apply and to continue through the interview process when they know that they'll need to get this done and their proactiveness in getting it done will really sort out the people that you would probably not want to hire in the first place. So if you enjoyed this interview and took some tools from it, be sure to leave us a review, send us your feedback, leave a comment to let us know what you particularly like from this episode so that we can keep bringing these to you completely commercial free. This has been your host, Jason Campbell. Thanks for tuning in and until next time. My name is Jason Campbell and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.